I'm Dr. Omar Khan. I'm Dr. Shannon Gowland. I'm Dr. Tiffany Dursey. And welcome to Vet Sessions. Welcome back to Vet Sessions. My name is Dr. Tiffany Dursey, and I will be your host for today. Today, we have Dr. Hannah McKellar with us here at the podcast studio. Dr. McKellar graduated this past June, which is only a couple weeks ago, from the Ontario Veterinary College, and she was the class valedictorian. Oh my gosh, Hannah, that's amazing. Thank you. She gave a very inspirational valedictorian address at convocation, and I thought it would be a great idea to have her here on the podcast to talk about what it is like to be a vet student. So welcome, Hannah. Hi, how are you? I'm well, how are you? Very good. So exciting. Class valedictorian. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I tell you, before we dive into that, um, usually I ask people about their career pathway, but since your career is only a few weeks old, (laughs) I figure instead you should tell me about yourself and how it is that you came to study veterinary medicine here at OVC. Yeah, I I feel like I have a pretty standard uh, story. Okay. Like most people who got into vet school or want to be vets, I started kind of dreaming of being a veterinarian when I was a little kid. And I had um, a really lovely giant uh, schnauzer named Harley who kind of inspired me to want to be a vet. And then when I went to my undergrad at Mount Allison University, I got really involved in uh, research and science. I just loved it so much. And it kind of like, I feel like, veterinary medicine became more than just a love of animals for me. And it became a way to like apply science um, to improve my community and to like serve a purpose that I really believed in, which was protecting animal welfare. And that brought me to applying to vet school. Eventually I I did a master's because I thought, you know, maybe I want to be a a research scientist and I hated research. And what did you do your master's in? I actually um, studied migratory shorebirds. So I was an ornithologist briefly. So I went out to the Arctic and I like caught them in their um, nesting range. And then I, tagged them and I monitored their migration down south. Cool. That's what my master's thesis was on. It was really cool, mm-hmm. but I found the constant like reading and writing and theoretical work. I wanted something more hands-on. Yeah, sure. So I applied to vet school and I, and I got in. And Amazing. Yeah. And the rest is history. The rest is history. So tell us um, your valedictorian address apparently was very inspirational. Um, mm-hmm. Give us the Coles notes. Give us, you know, the, 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 the highlights. So tell yeah. me, um, what did you talk about? What kind of inspirational things did you have to say to your class and your classmates and parents and friends? So when I kind of thought about creating this speech, I, I basically wanted to cover all of the major, like I wanted to cover like past, present and future. That's sure. kind of how I structured the speech. And I didn't, it was really important to me to not gloss over like the challenges and the difficulties in all of those components, past, present and future. So it was important to me to talk about like the joys of getting in and the struggles of, of kind of that process of never really knowing where you stand. And, and of course it was super important to me to talk about the pandemic and sure. kind of the, the the trauma that came with going to vet school online and and how challenging our years were cuz i mean obviously everyone's veterinary education experience is is different and and all of them i think come with significant challenges but for our class it was a really really exceptionally challenging experience I think and for the classes associated with um, COVID in general because you would have had one sort of like quote-unquote normal year Mm -hmm. and then and and so because you started in in what year uh, 2019 2019 okay so then you were okay and then by 2020 things kind of went yeah so like the second half of 
first year and then, or the last part of first year. Okay. And then second and third year, which in my mind are like the hardest years. Sure. Those were all online. Um, and I found that quite challenging as like an extrovert. Um, I think a lot of people did anyways. And then I really wanted to talk about how that kind of showed like that we're really resilient and um, that we're capable of doing more than we think. Mm-hmm. And then kind of talk about what it means to be a veterinarian. So there's this quote that I read at the start of first year. Um, it's actually just outside the OVC main building, okay. which is that uh, the work of the veterinarian is for the good of society. And I remember when I read it in first year, I, I couldn't really understand um, what that meant or why that would be. I think it's like the motto of the OVC. I'm actually not totally sure, but mm-hmm. um, I couldn't really wrap my head around the significance of that statement. And now that I'm at the end of it, and now that we've gone through uh, like a traumatic global catastrophe that I feel like revealed a lot about society, it became really clear to me the many ways in which veterinarians are good for society. So I talked about that for a little while. And Wow, that's great. Yeah. 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 And then I kind of ended by talking about mental illness in the profession and how it's important to keep, you know, protect yourself. And it's even more important to be well than it is to be a vet, I would say. Sure. And then that was it. Yeah. Cause you know what? I, I, I did see a clip that was on Instagram uh, and you did uh, make mention uh, to the, the wellness and how important that is and that it is important to be well first. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's interesting because I think when you look at, you know, how we all identify, um, you know, if I meet somebody at a party, you know, Hey, how are you? You know, what do you do? I identify as a veterinarian. Totally. Like that's really the number one before anything, before identifying as a female or, or a mother or whatever, like uh, crazy. Right. Yeah. So, but that's often the first thing that sort of pops out. So I think it's one of those professions that we really are um it's our lifestyle it's you know and and should it be uh, maybe maybe <laughs> not I don't know maybe there are times where we should you know put it put it to the side so that's very inspirational mm-hmm. yeah thank you I feel like it's one of those professions since you choose it so young and it's such yeah. a tumultuous journey getting to it of course you take it on as such a big part of your identity because you've worked so hard for it but yeah I do think that comes with like a bless it's a blessing and a curse Absolutely. So, so tell me, um, uh, what kind of advice are you giving either your classmates or even new veterinarians? So, you know, students who are are already in the program, you know, maybe going into first year, second year, third year, final year, whatever. Um, how can they better either prepare for their years at OVC or any vet school in general? Um, as you reflect back, what kind of advice do you give people? That's a hard question. I feel like it's so hard to know exactly what everyone has gone through leading up to it. But as a as a generality, like for me, I kind of went through a, a relatively non-traditional route to get to OVC. And at, at first when I got here, I, I very much felt like I was different, like I didn't really belong, like I hadn't gone through these these and bio, I did this like liberal arts degree. You know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, that's great. Yeah, but that's important because I yeah. think some people think that there's only one pathway mm-hmm. and that you have to, you know, identify as a vet at the age of like three years old and you have to take animal biology at the University of Guelph mm-hmm. before you get in. But that's not the case, right? Yeah, so not for I, I everyone. Mean, I wouldn't change anything for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely, I feel like prepared me in different ways. But I think um, it, it can seem insurmountable in so many different ways. Like OVC is a lot of work, but it's also a lot of prestige and it's, it's a lot mm-hmm. of competitiveness at times. And it's a lot of, it's really, really intimidating. And I think it can make you feel like small and like you're not capable, but I think it's really important to remember that it's an institution made up of people who were in your same shoes mm-hmm. and that 
like as hard as it can feel and as and as daunting as it is everyone gets through it and everyone through their unique abilities and and skill sets makes the profession and the school better like i think if everyone was the same then it's such a cheesy thing to say but i think if everyone was the same it would be a much weaker profession and a much weaker school and so for me a lot of vet school was like coming to terms with the fact that i maybe did think about things differently than my classmates and mm-hmm. and really starting to embrace that and i feel like once i did embrace that i I found a lot more success. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, um, uh, touching on the, um, the, the the part that you said about competitiveness, I mean, it's so competitive to get mm-hmm. into vet school, but some exciting news from here. One of our staff members just found out that they got into yeah. the uh, first year next year. So um, Charles will be going into OBC class of 2027, I think. Yeah. Oh my. We love Charles. Go Charles. Love him. Go Charles. And so shout out to him. Um, but I think what's, um, uh, you know, I've said to him is that it's so hard to get in and so competitive to get in, mm-hmm. but, you know, and in the selection process is so tough. But once you get in, in, in my opinion, they do everything they can to keep you in and your class will yeah. help you know help you rise to the occasion mm-hmm. but when you're used to being so competitive it's it's hard to say hey look like don't don't worry about it I mean obviously you need to learn the the, the material mm-hmm. um, but marks you know don't matter as much but it's hard when you're waiting outside the exam room and everybody's nervous and everybody's yeah. talking about marks and that kind of thing so so tell me more about the competitiveness how how do how do you handle that how do people handle that what would be your advice there I think that um, it can be really hard, like you said, to not get caught up in marks. And I think that part of that is, I mean, that's a factor of the structure of the program, right? Mm -hmm. All we get is marks. We don't get verbal feedback. We don't get feedback in anything other than numbers. So it becomes imperative if you're hoping to become a better vet to really pay attention to those because that's the only feedback that you're getting or it can feel like it's really important to pay attention to those Mm -hmm. and to compare yourself with others because like, if that's the only feedback that you're getting from the institution responsible for training you as a vet, then that feels like the only information about whether or not you're going to be good at it. But I, I think we can all say with certainty, having gone through the program and I'm sure you, especially as like a seasoned vet that people with the highest marks aren't necessarily going to make the best vets and, and vice versa. Um, and it can, I know that there's like competitiveness among classmates at times, although I feel like that has gotten better over the years. That's the sense that I get talking to other, other people who graduated at previous times. It can, it can be difficult. Like I, you know, and again, I, I know um, some schools actually, and I can remember uh, listening to another uh, podcast um, and um, they were talking about at Yale University that in this particular course, they gave the students the option mm-hmm. uh, to go to pass fail. So yeah. do they want marks? Do they want a grade? Um, or do they want to pass fail? And mm-hmm. the class actually voted for the marks. Um, and so I think it, you know, again, there's a little bit of a societal change saying, hey, look, like, y- you know, do we need to focus on the marks and particularly once you're in the program? So I think that's really interesting. And then, of course, you know, the program is designed. And, and again, this is just my my little bit of information <laughs> that I know from working here. But, uh, you know, and I'm not on the higher above academic board or anything, mm-hmm. um, but is to pass the uh, North American veterinary licensing exam. Right. Yeah. And so you have to pass that, um, which is interesting, because actually when you write the exam, as I recall, um, you do get a number, but you actually don't know what it's really out of yeah. So because they throw out a lot of questions. Yeah. So you get this like random, rando number, like, you know, know, 425 and you're like, what the heck does that mean? Um, and really you're just looking for the words pass or fail. Yeah. And, you know, I understand that they have to test because you have to make sure that your veterinarian, you know, has enough information. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, but, but try not to focus on marks. And I've heard, um, you know, including myself, you know, people giving advice saying, hey, try to enjoy the moment. You've worked so hard to be in vet school. Try to enjoy the program, you know, try to take a moment sometimes during stressful periods and just take a breath and look around 
around you and absorb it and mm-hmm. be happy that you're here, but it's easier said than done, right? So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important to tr- to try to to take in the moment and and acknowledge everything that you've accomplished. But I also want to say that as someone who like really struggled through the program and as someone who really like resisted the the teaching philosophy of the OVC like it was so different from anything I'd experienced it was very test oriented very fact oriented very little Mm -hmm. discussion all those other things um that's okay I think that if you struggle and I think that if if it's really difficult for you to enjoy vet school I will say like that is very hard but if you can't find a way to be positive but you can find a way to get through it like that's okay too you know I think it's important to allow people to also sit in feelings that may be coming out of a, of a real sense of, of injustice or a real sense of like difficulty that is valid. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and as I recall, and, and you tell me your experience, but you know, first, second year is sort of very book heavy, you know, uh, and, and again, I, you know, like how, how do you teach the principles of veterinary medicine? You know, and there's a lot of, you know, rote memorization mm-hmm. and trying to understand concepts and that kind of thing. Um, but as I recall, um, you know, third year, fourth year were my favorite, mm-hmm. uh, because it's more clinical, more hands-on, uh, more communications. And again, I know there, you know, the, the one thing that I do like working at an academic institution is that they're always looking at how do we improve it? How do we get the experience better? But how do you pass the navely and how do you yeah. create a good vet? And, and with actually all the information that's out there, um, you know, again, I graduated 20 years ago, um, there's so many, uh, concepts that we need to know better now, everything from diagnostic imaging to advancements in disease treatments and diagnostics and that kind of stuff. And the program, like the information is just too massive really. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. cause, cause we still have to study, uh, for the Navli anyway, um, dogs, cats, horses, cows, pigs, etc. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's just too, too much. Like at one point you'll wonder if, if the Navli will sort of break apart and maybe you're going to have to learn to be a small animal vet or a large animal vet. And there's just not not enough time mm-hmm. unless they make the, the program like 10 years. Like, can you imagine if vet year was, or vet school was 10 years? Yeah, Would you survive? I think I'd go to medical school. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's so interesting. Now, um, sometimes people will give advice and say, you know, um, try to enjoy vet school, try mm-hmm. to get involved with your class. Mm-hmm. Um, myself, I always tell people to play hockey. Yeah. Um, so I still play <laughs> hockey, but that was kind of a big part for me. And I met a lot of people there. Um, how did you get involved? Like what, what were there, were there, clubs? Were there teams? Was it just, you know, getting to know your classmates? Was there anything memorable for you that you enjoyed? Yeah, I was involved with the community outreach club for okay. a lot of my uh, time in vet school. And that was really fun. Uh, a couple of years in a row, I, I ran the cat shelter building competition, which was really, really lovely. So it's wow, what's up? It's basically like for making winter cat shelters that are then distributed around Guelph and um, around Stratford as well for cats to sleep in like feral cats and, and no outdoor way. cats. Yeah, that was really fun. Um, probably the biggest highlight for me in terms of like extracurricular involvement was the fourth year play, which I right. um, <laughs> co-directed with uh, <laughs> yeah a few of my classmates. So Mel Felker, Brittany Solomon, and Nicole McCausland. Um, so for people that don't know what that is, tell us about the tradition. Yeah. yeah. So the fourth year play is an annual tradition where the fourth year class puts on like a basically a sketch show where they um, do a bunch of spoofs of things that have happened throughout the year. And um, in our case, we had uh, a, bu- a, f- a combination of live sketches, like on stage, yeah. little plays and digital things. So our 
class was amazing was at editing the videos. I couldn't believe it. Like, well, you put it together like fairly because I, as I recall, like, so this is usually a tradition that's been going on for oh gosh, I don't know how many years. Yeah, but I think during COVID it was a bit difficult. So I think there was a couple of years where maybe they didn't have an official fourth yeah. year place. So this is the first time since COVID that it's been in person. We had so never was, seen one. Yeah, and there yeah. was you know hundreds of people that came, including myself, and you come and you kind of watch and support, and so mm-hmm. you know faculty and staff and all that will kind of come and watch and students. Yeah, and so yeah, you guys had a good time. You were very good because as I recall, you also are into improv. So that's yeah. kind of your, is, is that how you sort of um, deal with um, extracurricular, you know, stress, like doing something kind of fun? Is that your I think your so. Yeah. yeah. I feel like improv is nice because it's just an opportunity to like relax and kind of not think about anything at all and just kind of go with your gut and have fun with your friends. That's how I see it at least. Um, and for me, that was really, really important because I found OBC to be like very stressful and very obviously heady, like lots of mm-hmm. thinking constantly, <laughs> memorizing constantly. And I think that's so important to get through the program. Like you said, you know, whether you're involving yourself with your classmates or mm-hmm. even your community outside of OVC, maintaining those relationships with your friends outside or within OVC, all of that is super important to get through the program. Yeah. Um, and then uh, tell me, because I remember with your uh, externship, so between third and fourth year, mm-hmm. um, students have to find a placement, usually in Ontario, but not always. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they work for, is it eight weeks or yeah. eight weeks? And then I feel like you went somewhere really special. So yeah. tell us about that. I went to Whitehorse. So I went to the okay. Yukon um, and I was at All Paws Veterinary Clinic, which is one of only two clinics in the entire territory. Wow. Which I, yeah, I didn't really realize that until I was there. And also it serves a large portion of Alaska as well um so and, and why Yukon like why so my aunt actually lives in Whitehorse what? so I had okay. been there once before and it was just the most beautiful place I thought I, I I was so excited to have the opportunity to go back because I knew that um other people had gone to the Yukon in previous years like before me and you've never been there prior to that I had been there oh, once before okay, yeah okay. and I just thought it was so pretty and and beautiful and I wanted the opportunity to do my externship somewhere where um, he wouldn't have like a referral clinic because then you get to learn so much more and, sure. and that's exactly what happened. So we, any case that came to us, like we were, that's we were it. in basically yeah. or the other drive clinic. to Edmonton, like 15 <laughs> hours away. Oh my. Right. But other than that, it's like living on an Island, but you're not yeah, on an Island. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I got to learn so much that the, doctors at Alpaz were amazing educators. They, they really, really put a lot of time into like taking us under their wing and, and, and really making sure that we understood what we were doing and could run our own appointments. I feel like I just, I I grew a lot and learned a lot. Yeah. So uh, at what point do you have to start looking for an externship? Cause I know one of our Mm -hmm. second year students asked me to ask you that. So when should they start planning if they want to have a specific experience or clinic in mind? Yeah. So they tell you that there's a specific date, um, when you can start emailing and start contacting the clinics. I would, so don't like, like don't, start emailing don't them four years early. before you that's, get into vet school. That's just okay. not a cool, not cool. move. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Get away from that competitiveness. Right. You know, release oh, that's that true. energy. That's true. That's true. Okay. Um, I emailed the first day um, that we were allowed to, and okay. I emailed All Paws directly, and I was like, I'm really interested in your clinic. Yep. Here are the reasons why. Here are why I think I could be a good fit, just like any job application. Um, and that's pretty much it. I, I They got back to me, and, and um, they had availability. And a lot of times it's very simple. It's not necessarily like a big interview process. Some clinics will want to do an interview. Um I think that the most competitive ones are around Guelph because obviously it's cheaper to to stay home. But I think the important thing to remember is that eight weeks does seem like a lot and it seems like a really big deal. But 
even if you go somewhere that's not your ideal experience, it's not your first choice, you're going to be okay. Like mm-hmm. you'll get through the eight weeks and then you can go through the go rest wherever. of your fourth year. Okay. So yeah. then, uh, so some people, so the, the summer between third year and fourth year, you do your externship, it's eight weeks. Mm-hmm. And so most people, as I recall, will do May, uh, May, June, I mm-hmm. think. Right. So then you could have, um, July, August off. And mm-hmm. so some people will do summer rotations. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what do you think? What's your advice? Do you get, get some summer rotations in there, work and make some money, do both. Uh, why would you want to get some summer rotations in? Uh, because in final year, the whole last year of uh, your veterinary uh, career here at OBC, um, you're doing internships um, typically. Mm-hmm. And so you've got so many rotations throughout the different um, departments and hospitals here at OBC. And then there's some external electives as well. So that whole yeah. final year is clinical. Mm-hmm. So why would you want to do some in the summer or not? Yeah. So my recommendation would definitely be to do some in the summer if you can, like if you, if you can afford to not work during the summer, Mm -hmm. um, definitely pursue that because otherwise you end up having to fill your entire, every single week of your fourth year. No holidays. No No holidays. No time off to study. Yeah. Except for your one, I think you get a study week, um, which is often a week that people will choose to write their navly. Okay. Um, you, I think that I thought, you know, how tired could I possibly get in fourth year? You know, it's just rotations. It's not like I'm studying for tests all the time, but it does wear on you, like constantly having to learn new material, you know, be in that space for a week, up to three weeks, just very short rotations, one right after the other. It can get pretty draining and you're going to want that time to just relax and study for your NAVLE. Or if it's after the NAVLE, just kind of relax and and enjoy your last semester of school. Um, I also recommend if, if you're interested in taking any of the OVC rotations during mm-hmm. the summer to do your externship in July, August. Oh, okay. I did mine in May, June, which was a lovely experience. Like I, I still had a great fourth year, but it became, I, I asked to have my summer filled, but the only one I could get into was neurology, which oh, was great. Okay. But a lot of the OVC rotations happen in the first half of the summer. And then um, typically, uh, final year students will write the NAVLE. So this is the North American Veterinary Licensing Exam, mm-hmm. grueling exam, terrible. Yeah. Uh, but we all get through it somehow. Um, and so they, they usually do that in December, November, December mm-hmm. of their final year. So it's a tough one, right? Because you're doing rotations, um, you're trying to study for the NAVLE. Um, mm-hmm. And I think historically, people have written the NAVLE in November, December, because um, unfortunately, if you do fail, uh, the next time it's offered is in April. Mm-hmm. So, and you're planning to graduate sometime April, May, mm-hmm. um, that you can always write it a second time if you need to. And it's okay to fail. It's not yeah. a big deal. Um, I know it's really hard for people. Um, so what 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 advice uh, about the NAVLE? When did you start studying? <laughs> the day before? Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. Three yeah. minutes before. Three uh, minutes before. I just winged it. Um, no, I, I started studying for the NAVLE three and a half months months before I made myself um, a study plan based on so vet prep which is this this Mm -hmm. service that I use there's Zuku and vet prep and they're like the same they have the same content they Mm -hmm. prepare they prepare people very similarly um, with similar success rates right and they've got like example multiple choice and little study cards and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. right okay if you study from flashcards that they've got tons of flashcards cool um yeah i chose the base vet prep so i didn't get all the little lectures i was like i'm done with lectures right because you have to pay for it like it's not it's not through the university of guelph it's like an external company and i I think i think it um i think it was zuku that it was a couple of guys from vet school Mm -hmm. um way back in the day and they started making sort of sample multiple choice questions and then they made it into a business so yeah. same thing with fed prep yeah. what a dream what a dream job right. <laughs> yeah just write all you do is write multiple choice <laughs> yeah. questions yeah in your um, sleep yeah <laughs> yeah uh, yeah so, so you started doing that i i 
exclusively used vet prep to to prepare yep. for i'm not sponsored by them but if they do want to sponsor me i will accept i will accept cash well or we check. need sponsorships on you yeah. know vet sessions so <laughs> yes, yeah let's go we're for looking it. for it um <laughs> and i i felt very prepared i think that the key is to kind of know yourself and and know what study strategies work best for you okay. I, I think the important thing to remember is that the navli is a huge test but it's right. still a test right so if you have never used flashcards and they don't work for you, that probably isn't going to change when you have a massive amount of information to learn. Right. Um, if you need lots of time to study for your tests, you're probably not going to thrive if you study last minute for the NAVLI. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and-, and it goes the other way. Like if you never study for a long time, like recognize that maybe that's just how your brain works best. If you're just going to sit there um, not really studying when, and feeling guilty about not studying, you can that's shorten your schedule for yeah, sure for mm-hmm. sure so the the navli um so back in my day okay and omar and i and shannon all had to do this but the navli was two days and so <sighs> the first day was i think 400 multiple choice right. and then the second day was um i think it was six to eight hours of uh, it was almost kind of like a choose your own adventure and you had this magic highlighter pen and so you would um uh read the question and then you'd highlight which option and then it sort of was like like almost like an algorithm tree and then <laughs> sometimes you would like kill the animal at the oh, end no. yeah yeah, I remember That's the like guy the beside me must have, yeah, yeah, he killed the donkey or something. So, oh, um, yeah, I kept the pen for a long time. So then they, um, <laughs> so then they uh, switched it to, to, to one day test, multiple choice only. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you write it at a test center mm-hmm. and it's, and, and sorry if I'm giving you like PTSD from no, this. And so I uh, can't remember it. <laughs> did I even write it? Uh, and so it's like eight hours or something, isn't it? Eight it's hours, six multiple hours, six hours of yeah. multiple choice. Still bad. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Still not, not my favorite day. Yes. Yeah. Um, it's six hours. It's six hour long blocks and you can't like move between the blocks. So it's basically it. like six individual blocks of randomized multiple choice questions. Okay. And six each, hours total though. Six hours okay. total. And then I think there's like an hour of break time. So it's actually a seven hour experience, hmm. but six hours of testing during that. Um, the Navli experience. The Navli experience. Sounds like a ride. Oh yeah. my God, what a ride. <laughs> <laughs> but somehow we get through it, right? So it's yeah. mostly mostly sort of multiple choice. Mm-hmm. Um, or it, it, entirely it's multiple choice, multiple exclusively choice. multiple choice. Yeah. Okay, great. So then you, you, um, so you study three or four months ahead of time, yeah. you read your notes, you kind of use the vet prep. Mm-hmm. Um, what I have said to some students, um, is that during their final year rotations, the other thing to consider is that each day just pick one item to sort of focus on learning. Mm-hmm. So, so say, okay, like today I did a, I don't know, a Parvo vaccine. So today mm-hmm. I'm just going to read something about Parvo, um, review my notes and just sort of prepare that way. Yeah. I think that's great advice. I feel like it's important to get variety because you can sometimes find yourself studying and restudying the stuff that you already know, just because it makes you feel comfortable. Like it makes you feel like you've got a strong sense. And and that's mm-hmm. great. I think if you need to do that to make yourself feel a little more confident then you should, but it can lead to a putting you in a position where you haven't studied the stuff that you don't know as well. Mm-hmm. Like for me, for example, a week before the Navli, I was like, Oh no, horse derm. I don't know it at Aww, all. I don't know anything about horse skin. Um, and so I think it's important to try to balance what you want to study with maybe what you need to study a little bit more. And I think the most True. important thing with the Navli is having a plan going into it and, and trying your best to stick to that plan. So like creating a study plan that's balanced based on what the Navli covers because okay. not just what you like, not just what you like, <laughs> which I mean, you yeah. have your whole life to learn about what you like. Um, sure. True. But when, you're writing the Navli. It, it's not equally weighted between different topics, right? So it's okay. like 25% dog, 25% cat, like 15% horse and 15% cow. And then like, uh, I guess the 20% the rest of it. Right. Um, 
And so it's important to try to divide your study time as the Navli is divided up yeah. and as like you need based on your right. strengths and weaknesses. So I think there's like a certain amount of strategy there. And it's a lot, like I said, about, about knowing yourself, about knowing where your weaknesses are and about knowing what strategies work best for you and, and make things most manageable. Okay. So yeah. how did you, um, did someone give you that plan or like, or, or how did you get that plan? Like who, t who, yeah, where did you get advice for a plan? So vet prep actually has three ah. month study plan outlines cool. and six month study plan outlines. And I will tell you like the, the outline that they have is intense. Like okay. it's a lot of questions a day. And if you don't finish a hundred percent, that's totally okay. fine. I did not don't finish that Navli a hundred percent. One of our classmates did all, I think only like 6% of the, of the vet prep, okay. um, and still passed. Still Okay, good um, for them. Yeah, good for them. I probably wouldn't recommend that to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but but I've heard too also that some people will rely on the multiple choice questions only and what you really should do is also like you like you said, you know, review um the things that probably you know the least or the yeah. areas that you're the weakest in because you have sort of propensity to start on the things that you like. Yeah. So. There are so there's power yeah. pages as well and there's like that's cool. basically just like written descriptions of kind of yeah. the diseases that you need to be concerned with and all the important information. For me what I did was basically I did my whole study plan. I, I did a three month study plan in, in four months so that I had lots of time to mess up. And that's a good idea. That's yeah. great advice. Cause you're right. Like maybe you should give yourself extra time because maybe this week you're not feeling well, or that week you've got a really crazy rotation or yeah. something like that. So you got to give yourself lots of time. Yeah. And some rotations will be busier than you expect. And, okay. and some of them like, like I remember I thought surgery was going to be really, really busy. And one week it was so busy and the next it was like dead. So I had lots of time to study. So it can be hard to predict. Okay. Um, and then at the end of that th uh, four months, I had uh, basically a week left. And that week, I just read all the power pages for the things that I was the weakest on. So like, okay. course, dermatology okay. and, and things like that. And and for me, that was successful. It might not be for everyone, but that was definitely a good approach Perfect. for me. So so basically, um, so you're doing your um, fourth year, maybe do some rotations in the summertime, maybe mm -hmm. work, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then come September, that's when you're of your final year. That's when you do, you know, the official sort of rotations and it goes all the way till April. And so you kind of rotate through different aspects of the hospital. Some that are core rotations that you have to do, some that you've got electives, you've got opportunities to do, uh, you know, external actives in different places. Um, what advice do you have about that is, you know, should you be setting up some external rotations? Should you, how far in advance should you do that? Or was there anything that you particularly loved and you said, oh, you should, you know, check out something? Yeah. Yeah. So I think my, my like number one piece of advice with rotations yep. is to be aware that some of them will fall apart. And okay. like the ones, sometimes you're going to, you know, make all these plans for fourth year and then it's not going to work out and that's totally okay. You'll still be fine. You'll find somewhere else. Yeah. You'll find somewhere <laughs> else. Like I promise you'll be okay. I had some friends who had like multiple rotations kind of, um, fall through at the last Aww. minute. I tried to go to, um, North Carolina to do the ISPA rotation and, okay. and I wasn't Just able okay. to go. Um, and that was totally okay. There are some rotations for example, if you want to do like a, if you want to do zoo medicine, if mm -hmm. you want to do an ASPCA rotation in, in, North the Carolina, yeah. um, and a couple other rotations that are pretty competitive to get, you have to apply to those early, but they'll tell you okay. ahead of time how to do right. that. Um, and so tell me, was there any, um, and I guess you can't necessarily share specific names and you don't have to, but any like favorite rotations and you're like, Oh my gosh, like I didn't think I'd love this. And I just totally loved it. I, um, or no. <laughs> oh my God. I hated them all. <laughs> Horrible. I had this one PHC rotation. Oh, oh my God. man. No, I, I honestly, I was so surprised because full disclosure, I really yeah. disliked 
vet school before my fourth year. Okay. Like I didn't like doing a lot of tests. I, 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 yeah. I'm just not really a bookish. I really wanted yeah. to be hands-on and okay. with COVID on top of it, it was it tough. Be, it was Challenge. really hard. Yeah. Um, and I loved fourth year. Like so I loved I. all so my great. rotations and awesome. not everyone feels that way, but I just, okay. I really, really felt so grateful to be a, to have this opportunity to like be in the clinic, but still be a student. It's such mm -hmm. a unique position to be in where you're encouraged to involve yourself, but people re recognize from the get-go that you have limitations. And so you're kind of in this like safety net where you have the opportunity to ask questions to people who know mm -hmm. so, so much and are so willing to teach. Um, and on the other hand, you've got your own kind of responsibilities. It's a really exciting time. It is there, cool. Yeah, it's so awesome. Do you, do you think COVID made you more grateful? Was there anything good that came out of it? <laughs> I think it did. I mean, I think there's a lot of good that came yeah. out of it. Um, I think it taught us a lot about, um, you know, what we really value. And mm -hmm. for, yeah, for me, definitely, it made me feel more grateful. Like every day that I was in the clinic, I would just think like, oh my God, can you imagine if... I feel so bad for people who had COVID during their fourth year. Yeah, uh, losing that opportunity um, mm -hmm. is su is such a shame. Uh, shout out to the snow leopards and yeah, the rhinos, absolutely, and the jackals to an extent. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like it did make me more grateful, and that it helped me to kind of put into perspective that I was in a really unique position in my life. Like I never, you're mm -hmm. never going to be in fourth year again. It, it's, it's so yeah. special unless you do an internship. It's kind of similar, but even sure. then you have so much more responsibility, obviously. Yeah. Um, yeah. The year goes by so, so fast. And I yeah. think it's because all of a sudden, like, um, like I, you know, again, as I recall, um, you know, first, second, um, even third year, like third years, more, a little bit more hands-on, but you're just mm -hmm. like, oh my gosh, like, I just can't wait. I can't mm -hmm. wait. You know, I've been in school since I was in kindergarten. Yeah. So it's crazy. Right. And so your final year, like all of a sudden you're doing an externship, which is so awesome. Mm -hmm. And it's so cool. Like shout out to all the vets in Ontario yeah. and across North America that, that help out with our students, mm -hmm. uh, because we love them so much. And I feel like it's a very collegial uh, field and that yeah. people are so happy to host, um, our students. And so that's pretty cool. Um, and happy for them to learn uh, but then all of a sudden like you know you're doing um your final year rotations and then you're writing your navelling and then you're like looking for a job and then you're like <laughs> i don't know maybe somewhere in there like life and relationships and family and like i don't know stuff happens right so it's mm -hmm. such a it's such a crazy year yeah it's a real whirlwind yeah um and on the point i i really loved my external rotations a lot i i thought that was such a great opportunity because it's so different going from like the ivory tower right back sure. into the real world and to get to see how different vets approach different cases or mm -hmm. very similar cases in very different ways. And, and, um, I would, if you have the opportunity to do external rotations at different clinics that mm -hmm. kind of have, like I did one at like a holistic practice that cool. uses like naturopathic approaches. And then I did, um, one at a clinic that really focuses on surgery and does a lot of advanced kind of surgeries. I, I really enjoyed having that mix of different things sure. for my external rotation. It's great that you did that. Yeah. Cause I think it's, it, it's, it's good just cause you don't necessarily know what you're going to like. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, um, I know some advice that other veterinarians have given, including, uh, Carol Matthews is to be serendipitous and see where life takes you and, um, you know, say yes to opportunity. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it and saying, and I always thought it was valuable that some uh, external electives uh, or even internal electives, you know, you'd see someone, you'd say, oh, I, I really like the way that they handle things and, mm -hmm. and, and maybe the vice, vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> you don't love the way that they handle <laughs> things. And so it's looking at it and saying, well, what do I, how do I want to be in? Because yeah. obviously now you're just developing, you're just a baby vet. <laughs> and so, uh, but yet to doctor, which is so exciting. Um, and so it's trying to figure out, you know, how do, how do you want to be, how do you want to handle things and how do you handle life in there, right? So like you were, you know, you touched upon at the very beginning uh, with the valedictorian address that, you know, we 
we identify as vets, but we, we need to be well, we need the profession to be well. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we need to focus on, you know, ourselves, our family, our relationships and connections that we make and, and not let, you know, uh, veterinary medicine, you know, take, take it over us. Right. So totally. And you see that modeled in your mentors, you see maybe how they interact with their, their clients and how they interact kind of with their work and how much, how how they set their boundaries or maybe how they don't set their boundaries yeah and, sure and that's I think valuable that's, to see it's as valuable i think as a lot of the medicine that that uh, mentors can teach is just mm-hmm. how to how to live in this profession which can be really overwhelming yeah i've heard that before where you know you can teach someone to do a job um but it's important you know to to, to model and say okay well like how do you how do you handle the job yeah right? so totally two different things so mm-hmm. pretty exciting so so what next dr mckeller what's uh what any any thoughts where would you where do you see yourself any area of interest or excitement or adventure I think I'm gonna retire okay I'm so excited about it (laughs) (laughs) right away two weeks in practice done (laughs) retirement yeah (laughs) no I think um for me I I, I'm really excited I love GP medicine I really like building those relationships over time I I like being in a position where I feel like I'm contributing to like my local community in, in a way that's um Maybe not super flashy and like exciting all the time, but I just, I love it. I think GP I love that medicine too. is so awesome. I, I love that. Actually, I was talking to somebody about that today and, and, you know, as much as I, you know, I love, you know, internal medicine and surgery yeah. and all these like super specialties cool. and there's part of me that's, you know, like, oh, like, you know, what area if I was going to specialize, mm-hmm. what would I be in? Mm-hmm. But I really love GP because I do love the people and I can yeah. see you're a people person. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, and a lot of people will say, oh, I want to go into veterinary medicine because I love animals, but you have to kind of love people too, because you got to totally. deal with the person who's taking care. And yeah. I love the relationship that I've built in GP practice over the years. And uh, in fact, I was saying to someone today that, you know, um, sadly, when an animal passes away, um, sometimes it can be really hard for us as practitioners, because it's almost like a breakup with the family. And if they don't get another pet, um, I may not see those people who, you know, over the years, I kind of consider themselves as, as, you know, like friends. And so it's, 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 it's uh, sad sometimes when when those relationships are apart. So I try to, you know, again, remember all the connections that I've made over the years and hope Mm -hmm. that you make some kind of positive difference somehow somewhere totally no I think that's so true I think it's like a really beautiful opportunity I thought I wanted to do I am like I thought I wanted to specialize in in internal medicine because I thought it was so cool but I just really missed the continuity of the cases and like you said those relationships that you build so that's I hope what's next for me is a is a a career in GP medicine. Awesome. I think community outreach. I think you'd be amazing. Amazing yeah. at all that. Yeah. And then, and then of course, like you never know where you'll be in 10 years. Like I didn't think I'd be sitting here right now doing a podcast. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I don't think podcasts were invented at that time. So, <laughs> so it's uh so it's pretty, pretty exciting. So you've yeah. got a great bright future. Um, I think you. that they couldn't have picked a better valedictorian. So, so I think much. that's so excited. I was very excited to hear that. So congratulations. And uh, so exciting that you've got a whole, a whole life, uh, ahead of you of some pretty exciting opportunities. And so I can't wait. Maybe what we should do is have you back on the podcast in six months and we'll see. We'll yeah. see if you're retired we'll or not. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> see how that retirement's going. Exactly. And then you can tell us more. So uh, any final words or thoughts? Um, I think to anyone who wants to get into OVC or to anyone who's in OVC, it is a, I know it's a struggle and no matter what happens, give or take this profession, you're still amazing. The, the, the impulse to care for animals, I think is a really beautiful thing. It's something to treasure whether or not you can do it as your career. And, um, 
keep going, but know that this thing doesn't define you. Yeah, absolutely. Self-compassion, yeah. right? And yeah, and see where see where life takes you and um, and uh, yeah, lots yeah. of opportunity. And it's a great profession from a support perspective. I love meeting people yeah. like you and all my colleagues and staff uh, and support here at OVC. It's a, it's, totally. a, it's a family. And sometimes, you know, sometimes we fight, sometimes we don't like each other, but most <laughs> of the time we do. And at the end, it's somehow it's a, it, the, the family works out. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, before we go, um, I just wanted to say thank you to our listeners for listening today on Vet Sessions. This episode of Vet Sessions is generously sponsored by OVC Pet Trust. OVC Pet Trust, founded in 1986 at the Ontario Veterinary College, is Canada's first charitable fund dedicated to improving and advancing companion animal health and well-being. OVC Pet Trust supports innovative discoveries, education, and healthcare that improve the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of disease of pets. Learn more about OVC Pet Trust at www.pettrust.ca or connect with them on Instagram at the handle at OVC Pet Trust. So thank you again to our guests for listening today. If you have any further questions or ideas, please send us an email to vetsessions at hotmail.com. And you can also follow us on Instagram at vetsessions. See you next time. And thanks again, Dr. McKellar. Oh, thank you, Dr. Jersey. <laughs>